0: Dude, so good to see you again. <laughs> likewise, likewise. How's everything been? You know, we haven't recorded in person. God, how long?
1: It's been a while. It's been, wow.
0: Maybe four months?
1: Mm-hmm. There, yeah, right around there. Yeah.
0: Well, it's good to have you back. Yep. Anything new to report as far as, like, I don't know personal like you're here
1: yeah i mean um yeah i've just been real focused on uh being closer with family took a trip out to go see my aunt recently and i'm going back in a bit you know just to be with her where was that um newport news virginia oh did you guys drive or i drove yeah and then uh, i drove back
0: how how long was it because like i've driven to richmond it's like five hours
1: yeah right around there it's um it's kind of in between williamsburg and richmond okay yeah did you get like the like did you stop for like the historical like williamsburg or you just like newport and back yeah basically i um i wanted to stop but i was kind of more focused on getting there on time because i knew my aunt was getting out of work around too was it like a
0: surprise g- thing like you just showed up and i was like yo what's up
1: Nah, she knew, but um, they were freaking out the whole time. They're like, "You've never driven to Virginia by yourself," and I'm like, "It's, it's fine. Like I'll, I'll be there on time." But yeah, it was, it was chill. It was like four, four hours and forty five minutes.
0: Uh, that's not bad. That's pretty quick, actually. Yeah. Uh, with that being said, what's going on, guys? Your boy Elroy here, and welcome back to the Your Boy Elroy MMA podcast. I'm your host, Josh Preppigina, and I'm here with my good buddy, Andre Rodriguez. Andre, what is going on?
1: What's up, man? <laughs> <How you> doing, <laughs> well, if Pre? you
0: guys just heard the first two minutes, you guys know exactly what's going on. And boy, do we have a show for you. Uh, first off, right off the bat, um, rate, review, subscribe. Remember that we are available on all major platforms. Um, if you're the one weirdo who uses Amazon Music for podcasts, guess what? We should be on there very shortly. Um <laughs> I got a request. You got to heed to it, you know what I mean? <laughs> so that'll be up uh in the next few days. Um Yeah, slash store ybemma podcast get your gear, uh hoodies, t-shirts, it is the fall weather, so this is the perfect time to grab a hoodie. They are very affordable, about $21. So uh, make sure you grab that. And as always, you can follow the show on Instagram, MMA Podcast. You can find me and Andre. Me at Elroy Prepson, one word. Andre, Flow State Dre, one word. Yeah, um, I figured that I should probably say those things because Andre, as I told you yesterday through a text message last week for some reason we had our biggest week like in a long time uh podcast listenership across the board obviously has gone down due to the pandemic but we have always maintained a very good audience and last week we just got a like a spike so um if you're new here Welcome. We are glad you're here, and if you've always supported us, we are also glad you're here. Thank you so much for always supporting us. As you always know, we always make it a point to say that we are eternally grateful. And Andre, this week we have UFC 253. Um for new fans and old fans, just so you guys know, me and Andre are hype, so we will get to that later on in the show. But first, let's talk about some small news pieces. Um, Andre, so the first news piece right off the back that kind of coincides with UFC 253, the headliner, Israel Adesanya, has signed a deal with Puma. Now, following the likes of Anderson Silva with Nike, John Jones with Nike, um, what are some of your thoughts on this? Like this is big.
1: It's huge, man. I mean, literally we have not seen this kind of deal since like McGregor, Jones, Dos Santos, Anderson Silva, and it's massive. I think it's it's great for the sport because Izzy is not only becoming a huge star in mixed martial arts, but he's just becoming a huge celebrity in general. I mean the guy is charismatic energetic i mean he's a weeb but he's also this tough as nails dude who's really relatable like he's got the whole package and he's also got the skills to be a great champion and i think with signing with a big big organization like puma that definitely raises his stock into some you know some some great uh possibilities for later i mean you don't know what kind of doors that can open now that he's signed with puma and i think uh as much as as big as a, I am as a fan of uh, Adesanya, I might buy those shoes. I'm gonna be honest, man, because I can imagine with his sense of his sense of style, he's gonna want to pick something that you know emulates who he is as a person. So I might like them. So yeah,
0: yeah. Like I remember John Jones had a pair of Nikes that were like uh, the the fly I I remember I was working at Foot Locker when this came out and they were like House of Hoops exclusive and they were awful like <laughs> it, it was like black and red with like gold trim I think it said break bones on it cuz that was his slogan at the time for Nike yeah and um yeah I mean it's cool that he had a his own shoe but like think about people like Manny Pacquiao and his Nike deal was massive he had boxing shoes and trainers and, like, all types of stuff that, like, right now really hold their value very well. Yeah. So um, one can hope, you know, for us, Puma in the United States isn't, like, the biggest thing. Like, obviously they have people like Rihanna signed and, you know, but, like, in Europe and stuff like that, they're huge. Like, soccer fans and, like, all that. They love Puma, like, at on that side of the world. So maybe – Us, we shouldn't underestimate it. Me and you obviously know it's a big deal, but like maybe some casuals, they'll look like really Puma. It's not, you know, Adidas or whatever, but Puma is huge in the other side of the world. So
1: yeah, it makes all the sense in the world. And I think the one thing that I do enjoy is the fact that all of Izzy's success, whether inside or outside of the octagon, has not come just from luck. Like this man has put in the time and he's put in a lot of years worth of experience, you know, in the ring, in the cage. And he's really honed his own and and he's proven to a lot of people that you don't have to rush to become a world champion. You don't have to rush to try and become a superstar and make millions upon millions of dollars. Sometimes you just have to go at your own pace. And I think it's going to be a great example to the next generation of MMA fighters that are coming up so yeah i mean talk about a great way to show your true character
0: yeah i'm looking forward to seeing what they do with him um just a quick note sean o'malley gets submitted in a grappling tournament by uh knee bar i believe or heel hook one of the leg submissions i was like damn like come on dude like you're supposed to be hurt and you're like in a grappling tournament like Maybe you should, like, take the time and heal up.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, the loss itself, I'm pretty sure that kind of lit a fire under his butt because he was undefeated, he was ranked, lost to a guy who wasn't ranked, somebody he was technically supposed to walk through. So I can imagine he just wanted to bounce back and get a couple Ws under his belt to boost his confidence. But, yeah, I I think with the injury that he suffered – it it needs time to heal, and you just got to sit out for a bit. You know, you can't rush it because at the end of the day, you don't want to end up, you know, creating another injury off of something that was supposed to heal before. So hopefully that'll be a lesson to him, and he'll take some real time off and prepare for his next fight, which hopefully will be soon because I'd love to see him back in there.
0: Yeah, Andre, so let's just get into the past weekend because we had a hell of a card and let's start right at the top with a dominant victory Colby Covington TKOing Tyron Woodley by injury um Andre let's talk about Colby Covington because obviously he says a lot of things that are controversial but let's talk about him as a fighter because right now we kind of have to Divorce those two things when we're talking about his ability. Is he one of the best welterweights in this division?
1: I think he's one of the best welterweights in the world. I think that Colby's ability to mix up striking and wrestling all together and the cage work, it makes him a very dangerous opponent for everyone. Um, If you look at his performance against Woodley, you could see that He knew what Woodley's strategy was. He studied him so well that he kind of just negated everything that Woodley was doing. And he forced him out of his game and was able to just impose his will. Um, So overall, yeah, this guy in the UFC, he's going to be a problem. Um, Even with the performance he had against Usman, it was argued that most people thought it was 2-2 going into the fifth. And a lot of other people thought it was 3-1 for him. A lot of people thought he was beating Usman, like, clearly. Um, But, obviously, there was a big power difference there. Um, And, you know, in that case, power did beat volume. But, overall, I think that he's going to get his shot next. Now, the question is, does he fight Masvidal or does he fight Leon Edwards? But, you know, we'll get into that probably a little bit later. Overall, Woodley looked exactly how I expected him to look. He looked horrible. He looked slow. He looked um, – he just looked like he wasn't there mentally, and it was really sad to watch. I mean, if you go back to when he won the title to now, it's like watching two different fighters. But all in all, hats off to Covington. Um, so, yeah, I guess we can go back to the other side of Colby. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, they they there were some things said after the fight um look man like you can defend your side like you can be this fan of you know the current president whatever like that doesn't bother me um but please maintain some respect like if somebody like there were things said on both sides obviously so colby just defending himself he comes off like more of the butthole because where everybody kind of stands like for justice you know what i mean for lack of a better term so um like i said for me though it's really bad because i just like divorced the two things like i don't even see him as like this trump guy i'm like looking at colby chaos covington like yes i said the joke last week donald trump's favorite fighter blah 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 blah, blah but like it's not a gimmick like if you see his reaction when he picked up the phone like, post-fight, when uh Trump called him, like, he was, like, a child. Like, you could see the excitement on his face. Like, it's not a gimmick that he actually, like, likes this guy. So, that's one thing. If somebody's like, oh, it's just a gimmick, like, no, it's not. Watch that.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and I think he spoke on it, too. Like, he kind of touched on it before the Usman fight where he's like, dude, like, this is just me. Yeah, I amped up a little bit of the, you know, the trash talk. because that's what you got to do to get popular. But, you know, looking at the core of this man, like, I think that he was able to do something that no other fighter in history has been able to do. What other fighter do you know has spoken directly to the president that has their phone number? You know what I mean? Like, it's it's nuts. The guy is definitely interesting for the sport. I'm not going to say he's revolutionary, but I'm going to say that he brings something different. You know, like, there is something different about Covington. He's accepting the fact that people don't like him and I think that's also kind of why he does have a bit of an interesting fan base too because I see a lot of people that say yeah the guy's a bit of a whack job but he gets it done in there and he really does I mean he doesn't hold back you would think that with that kind of attitude he has he would be one of those dudes that is kind of passive in the cage but no he takes it to people like dangerous people like Woodley's right hand itself is dangerous. Robbie Lawler's hands are dangerous. Dos Anjos a striker and a grappler. I mean, this guy has taken out some pretty heavy names and went five rounds with Usman. So I'm definitely expecting him to be in the title picture probably by either the end of this year or the beginning of next year. But we'll see because the division, you know, the welterweight division is so stacked and there's so many matchups that need to happen, man. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's very obvious that, you know, the next Usman fight will be a different fight, like, if Usman is smart. Like, he's not going to stand and trade. He's going to use what's helped him defend and gain the title. Mm-hmm. Like, he he's he's this dominant wrestler that is going to be hard to stop if you're not knocking him out. So, um for Colby, like, I would brush up on that game. And I think his wrestling looked great against Tyron. Like, he was able to apply pressure and just, like, land some really good shots on Tyron and ultimately, you know, in that transition, break his rib. (laughs) Like,
1: Yeah, it it was nuts, like, seeing that. I've never seen anything like that Um, in regards to, like, a rib injury. I've seen it via, like, kicks or punches, but I've never seen, like, a weird tweak and then the rib just cracks. Like, that's crazy. But, yeah, I mean, Kobe did what Kobe needed to do. Not what he – I guess what he wanted to do as well. But he just went in there and he took his time like he didn't force every single takedown. But what he was forcing was the pressure and and making sure that Tyron Woodley was either on his back foot or his back was against the cage. And it was smart to do that. I mean, if you give Woodley too much space and you don't capitalize on that distance, he's going to start exploding towards you once he does that you're always going to be vulnerable to the right hand. And you saw it in the beginning stages of the first two rounds where he was, like, faking the right hand, and you could see, like, Colby was like, oh, let me get out of the way of that. And, you know, what's crazy is I kind of thought that Woodley would have capitalized on that. I thought that he would have used the feints to open up maybe a takedown or maybe even just a big punch or, you know, a striking exchange. But he was so gun-shy. And I really don't get it, you know. Mm -hmm. And the sad thing about it is that I feel like he's kind of turning into a Rashad Evans. Um, I think Rashad was out for about two years before they put him against Ryan Bader. And it was the same thing. Like, he went in there against Ryan. And Ryan obviously wasn't the most, you know, decorated striker. But he went in there and he got outstruck and outgrappled and everything but the kitchen sink for like three rounds. And as I was looking at the performance with Woodley and Covington, I was seeing the same exact thing. It's like he was—he knows what he has to do when he's in there, but he just can't pull the trigger. And I think that's something that's so crazy that happens to fighters. Like, I don't know if you see that in any other sport. Um, In in basketball, you see like a decline physically, where you can't jump as high, and you can't play as many minutes because you know your body eventually just can't take the duration of a full basketball game. Um, in football, obviously, guys retire early because you know, the damage that they take to the head and the fact that it's the wear and tear can be a lot. Baseball is kind of the same thing, but in MMA, I think the craziest thing is when you see champions that lose in a devastating fashion or you know, in, in just dominant fashion in general, and after that, they're just like it, and it's crazy. I, I think what would be interesting is if maybe we can get one day an ESPN special with a sports psychologist that can kind of break down what happens to fighters over time when it you know that begins to occur in their career cuz I think that that would actually help a lot of younger fighters understand the game in a in a different aspect
0: yeah it's and it's crazy like to put in perspective like not only is he losing fights he's losing every round he has lost 15 rounds straight well, 14, you know, he got finished in one. Yeah. But, like, come on. Like, I'm not I'm not saying he has to hang it up, I, but I'd give him, like, one or two more before it's like, all right, bro, like, there's a lot of things that you can do, and it's not being a rapper. Like, you can be this motivational speaker, you know what I mean? You can be, like, a lot of things. Like, you don't have to fight. You could be an analyst. You're great at it. Like, why, why are you still getting punched in the face?
1: Yeah, and on top of it, like, What gets me, too, is that, and you look at the fight previous to the Usman fight, he went against a dangerous striker in Darren Till, a guy who had a solid, what, three-inch height advantage. I think they had the same arm length, but overall, you know, Darren Till was a a bit of a threat, you know? Like, if he couldn't take Darren Till down, he was going to have to deal with that left hand and left middle kick. And Woodley literally beat him to the punch. Got him to the ground, landed... Really good ground and pound. And he got a submission victory. Something that I don't think he's done in a long time in the UFC or ever. You know, I don't remember him getting a submission victory in the UFC. So, looking back, you're like, damn, like, where was that Tyra Woodley at? And what I think happened is somewhere along the lines, I think he lost his confidence. Because if you look at how he's lost his last two or three fights, it's been in his own, in his own game. You know, in his own style, that power punching and then shooting in for a takedown, landing good ground and pound, pushing them to the cage, just controlling the center of the octagon as well. And you think about it, you look at his credentials like Division One All-American wrestler at the University of Missouri, and he just couldn't get it done. It's it's insane to me.
0: Dude, remember when he used to be so good off his back foot? Like most yeah. of his finishes were coming off the, you know, that power off of his back foot. And, like finishing the guys and like you see people t- like look at Usman like pressure. Look at Colby, pressure. Like these are these are devastating finishes or like fights and he's getting decimated. Like every round Gilbert Burns like we're not even we haven't even brought him up yet but remember how like we were so like hype about how dominant Gilbert
1: Burns was against Woodley yeah and and what was scary for a lot of people i i can imagine well at least for me i can speak for myself but what, the thing that scared me most was that there were a lot of opportunities for Woodley to capitalize now granted when you look back at the, the in the entirety of the fight, you could see that when Woodley was throwing shots and trying to land combinations, Gilbert Burns was defending very well. But I felt that if he had continued to do that, if he continued to mix up the kicks and the punches, get close and get, land some elbows, I felt that he could have possibly shooken up Gilbert to where he got him out of his game. I mean, listen... As good of a stud as Gilbert is, he does have some holes in his game. Mm-hmm. And one of those holes is when you can apply a consistent amount of pressure to him like Dan Hooker did, you can land a good enough shot in the middle of an exchange. You know, because if you look at Gilbert striking, he throws very wide at times. And if you can throw straight punches at him in the middle of an exchange, you most likely will catch him on the chin. And I think that that was just something that Woodley didn't capitalize on. Um, but in this game, when you're in the top five, when you're looming in that top five, any small mistake you make, or if you're not at the best in mentally, you're going to get beat, you know, because guys up there want it. You know, that's why they're there. They want that number next to their name because they want to get to the belt.
0: Yeah, talk about wanting it. Um, Andre, Donald Cerrone, is this someone who – still wants it because this fight didn't seem like it and (laughs) it had it's not just one fight like this is like fight what number five that he's lost
1: yeah it's coming from a like a real fan of of Donald Cerrone it sucks to see but Eventually father time does catch up with you. And I think like looking at his body in there compared to Nico and just the fact that even though he was landing consistent shots, they kind of weren't doing anything to Nico. And it wasn't because he's a welterweight or because he's a big guy or because he has a good chin. It was really just because I feel like Donald's kind of losing the pop in his strikes and um, he's still real good. He's still fast. He still has good kicks, but, I mean, yeah, I think he's basically at the end of his career. Like, where does he really go from here at this point, you know? I don't
0: know. I don't want to see it again either. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't think today is the Donald Cerrone retrospective, but I could only imagine that it, is, it will be soon. Um, Let's talk about somebody that we're not talking about the end anytime soon. Hazmat Shemaev versus Gerald Mearshart. It took him 17 seconds to get Gerald out of there. And Andre, this dude, it's true, he's the real deal, right?
1: Yep, big time.
0: Wow, that was devastating. And it's true what like every media outlet that you've heard has talked about how like, as soon as that bell rung, you could tell that Gerald did
1: not want the smoke dude yeah not only that like it was the way that like out was stalking him you could almost tell that there was like no chance <laughs> of Gerald winning and it sucks to say because listen Gerald Mearshart is a like he's one of those vets he's been around he's fought everywhere 31 and 14 yeah like he's fought everyone think about that that's 45 fights hamza is nine and oh he went in there and literally decimated him one strike dude and the the crazy part about it is the fact that from what i heard today in that press conference in abu dhabi they already lined him up for a five round main event main event against a ranked opponent that's incredible they didn't even wait. you know what's crazy they didn't even say what division that's how scary this guy is. He could main event against a middleweight or a welterweight. God bless me. you. Thank you. <laughs> like, I'm telling you, man, I don't care what anybody says. Who do you know that has been getting, like, booked like this month after month in two divisions? It's too much. Dude, he is fantastic, and I
0: can't wait. I mean, I don't even know why they're booking him for five rounds. Chances are he's only
1: going to need one or two. Yeah. Yeah. Or he's going to go five rounds to prove something and probably, you know, seriously hurt a fighter, like to the point where they might retire. (laughs) Because who knows what this guy's ceiling is? And who knows what he can really do when he has more time? I mean, even in some highlights of him fighting before the UFC, he was toying with guys in there. I saw this one time he. He, like, put his arm out to, like, I guess his coach or maybe the fans, and he, like, made a gesture with a smile on his face and took the same arm wrapped in a rear naked choke and finished the guy. And I'm like, all right, like, what is it about this dude? Is it because he's just that uber confident that he's not afraid to do anything? Or does he just know that he's literally probably one of the best fighters on this planet? Like, because that's what it's looking to be like. I, I feel like If he can get it done, a five-rounder with a ranked opponent, like, this guy might end up being, like, in line for two titles. Can you imagine that? Like, I just don't know what to say. I I don't have enough to say about this guy because it just gets scarier and scarier as he continues to get in there.
0: Yeah, he's scary looking. He he talks trash very well. Mm -hmm. Like, way better than Khabib. Like, yeah. And I love, like, the smash. I smashed this guy. Like, I'll never get tired of that. Like, I love it when Khabib says it. I love it even more when Hazmat says it. Like, dude, he is, like, they said that he finished Gustafson in the gym. Like, Gustafson is a 205 pounder. He just fought at heavyweight. Yeah. Like, and this guy finished him.
1: And, and mind you, like, Gustafson is 6'5. This guy's huge. And then Hamzat's beating. Him. And that was the crazy thing. He trains over there. And Alir Latifi's there. And most of his training partners say that he's an animal. Mm-hmm. He's literally an animal. Nobody knows how. He's just like that. And it's weird, man. Like, are we seeing, like, one of the. I don't want to say Khabib because obviously he's like him, but is he going to have the same effect like a John Jones? Where he's just so dominant that he just can't be beaten. Like no matter who you put in front of him. Because that's what I feel like he's going to end up being. I mean he's got the perfect size for two different divisions. And the fact that he can make weight for both easily is crazy. Like you see him at 185 right. He doesn't look like fat. He still has abs. He goes in at 170. He's got abs. He doesn't look drawn out. He looks in perfect shape in both divisions. And he's huge. Like, I don't even know what to say at this point. I'm going to end it here, man, because uh, I just can't wait to see him again. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a fantastic
0: talent and so good that three fights later, he's about to be in a main event. So congratulations to Hazmat. Um, a win that I didn't really think was that, like, memorable, Johnny Walker. Yes, he ended up finishing Ryan Spann, but, like, I don't think it was, like, I don't know. He still, like, needs something. Like, what is it that he needs? Because it's, like, those first two fights, he was explosive, and it was amazing. And then, like, he loses to Corey Anderson in devastating fashion, and then he, like, drops a decision. And now it's, like, come on. Like, I don't know, Ryan Spann, like might have just made a mistake, and, like, he paid for it in the end. He got finished, but.
1: Yeah, I mean, the performance wasn't, it wasn't his best performance, but um, you can kind of look at it at face volume and just think about the fact that he did get a W, and, um, you know, we don't know how long it's going to be before he comes back. But, obviously, finishing a guy like Ryan Spann, whether it was impressive or not, Hopefully he'll get a quick turnaround and be able to actually get back and like a nice win streak, hopefully boost his confidence and just try to, you know, knock a couple more people out and maybe just make a run for the belt. I mean, now with John Jones officially out of the picture, this opens up a whole new world for him and and a lot of other younger uh, light heavyweights and aspiring champions in the light heavyweight division. So overall hats off to him. Ryan Spann is a stud, though. I mean, the guy's good, you know. And these are some of the biggest light heavyweights we have in the UFC. So, um, I know both guys will be back stronger. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, come on, Johnny Walker. Like, you're training at SBG Ireland. Like, pick your head up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Something that was extremely, like, impressive. Mackenzie Dern submitting random Marcos. Mm. Uh, Mark Randa dropping to 10, 10, and 1. Uh, Mackenzie moving up to 9, and 1. Dude, how good does she look?
1: She looked excellent. I mean, God, did you see that arm bar? Oh, my God. Her
0: transitions, like, her, her every, like, I loved listening to her, like, talk about it, too. Like, I wanted to go for this, and then, like, mm-hmm. I was like, screw it. I'll do this. Oh, she's flexible. All right, I got to work. And then she worked her way
1: and, like, finished her. Yeah, man, it's it's scary, too, because, like, Randa was really doing her best to not get submitted, but, God, that arm was just crunching. That's
0: Randa's fault for, uh, like, she was, like, looking to go down, and I'm like, come on, like... <laughs> you crazy? <laughs> Why would you go down <laughs> with Mackenzie Dern? Like, stay on your feet. Like, we've seen Randa, like, work really low, and, like, win with strikes that way. Like, she, like... I forgot what fight it was, but like her guard was extremely low. Like she would like kind of almost crawl to their her opponent, and like she was winning the fight. Like, why would you go to the floor with Mackenzie Dern? Yeah, you paid for it, and now you're a five hundred fighter.
1: Not only that, like, did you see the stat that they gave that she's like never had a two fight winning streak or a two fight losing streak? I think like how is that even possible? Well, it's you can tell now in her. <laughs> like, you win, win one, you lose one constantly. It, it's it's nuts, dude. Like, it's you're talking about almost like Artem Lobov style. Like, that's that's crazy. You yeah. Know? Hopefully, uh,
0: we'll see Mackenzie Dern fights. Um, don't get me wrong, Random Marcos very good opponent, but like, let's get some ranked opponents in here. <laughs> yep. Uh, Kellen Kevin Holland defeating Darren Stewart, and uh, slightly controversial. Uh, I don't know; it was too close to call. I could have kind of flipped the coin. Yeah,
1: no, I, I, I'm sorry. I didn't even get to see that fight. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't much
0: to see there. Don't worry about it. Uh, then <laughs> let's let's just go through this uh prelim card really quick. Tyson Nam defeating Jerome Rivera. He finished him. Andre Yule going to decision over Irwin Rivera. We had Randy Costa defeating Journey Newsom by KO. This was devastating. This was beautiful. Shout out to Randy Costa. Like, is he, like, one of the nicest, like, UFC fighters? Like, he always holds the picture. Like, he does it for his homie. And every time he performs like that, it's like, yo, your homie is probably on cloud nine up there. Mm Mm-hmm. Big time. Uh, Derek Miner defeating TJ Laramie by submission in the first round. Uh, Then we had Jessica Rose Clark defeating Sarah Alpart. This was disgusting. Uh, The fight should have been over way earlier. She beat the crap out of her. Um, But Jessica gets the win. Then we had Myra Bueno Silva submitting... Mara Romero Borella. However you say that. Uh very, very short notice replacement. Damon Jackson submitting Mersad Bektik This was <laughs> so Saudi. Mursad, man, you can't catch a break. <laughs>
1: Yo, for real, man. He just keeps dropping
0: L's. And then in the uh headliner, Jordan Espinosa dropping a decision to David. Dvorak so that was UFC fight night Covington versus Woodley I thought very entertaining card lived up to the hype and uh, yeah it was good it was very good uh, but this weekend there's Bellator uh, one is returning that's my bad Bellator one is returning and UFC 253 Israel Adesanya versus Paolo, Bochina Costa. So uh, real quick, let's just go through the undercard. Uh, bunch of nobodies. Wow. Uh, let's see some of these. Okay, here we go. So we have Diego Sanchez versus Jake Matthews. Good luck, Diego Sanchez. Uh, Stefan Bonner is going to be in Diego Sanchez's corner, allegedly.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: interesting uh and then in the prelim headliner we have brad riddell versus alex De silva coelho i don't know how to say it but uh, i am excited to see brad riddell once again the main card starts off with hakeem dawadu versus zubaira then we have Caitlin Vieira versus Sajar Eubanks. Sajar Eubanks making a quick turnaround. Uh, then we have Kai Carr France versus Brendan Roival in the flyweight division. That should be really fast-paced, really exciting. Um, excuse me. And then in the co-main event, Andre, I know you got some things to say about this. Dominic Reyes maybe the uncrowned lightweight king, light heavyweight king. Sorry. (laughs) Versus Jan Blachowicz. Andre, this is going to be a good fight. Like, but I have this strange feeling like Jan, you know, he's had exciting performances like lately. But if you remember like a few fights ago, like he was a little boring. So um, do you think Dominic has enough to kind of like take it to him and like make this fight exciting are you looking for like a dominant performance from Dominic are you looking for a surprise knockout from Jan like what do you expect from
1: this fight um it's it's tough to say because on one hand both guys obviously have very good knockout power they're decent strikers I would say that Reyes definitely is the better striker um and has the better footwork the better movement and You know, it's going to be hard because on the other hand, Jan is a really good grappler. And I would say that he obviously is the better grappler. So both guys kind of cancel each other out in a, you know, in a very interesting way. Um, The only thing I'll say is that I don't think this is going five rounds. I think that this fight will end in a finish. But if I have to put my money somewhere, my money is kind of going on probably Reyes... TKOing Jan because people probably don't remember, but Jan was finished by Thiago Santos. Tiago, I remember that. In. I remember that
0: night like it was yesterday or that day yeah. because I remember watching it in my car, mm-hmm. right before Jorge Masvidal knocked Darren Till's lights out.
1: Yeah, I mean, overall it was a tough, it was a tough matchup for both guys, but like Thiago Santos literally cracked him. And he just went down and could not recover. And that's the thing with Reyes. He will finish you. Like, he's never been finished. He's only lost to the best in the light heavyweight division's history. So, yeah, I mean, he's got a lot of momentum going into this fight. So, if anything, Jan has a lot to work with. I mean, to work for. Because he's going against a very dangerous opponent. And, you know, a lot of people... Might not give credit where credit is due, but Reyes really did go five rounds with John Jones and almost won that fight, and that speaks volumes because a lot of guys like Gustafson go against John Jones and they, you know, he got finished. Correction, that was
0: three weeks later, but I do remember vividly watching Tiago finish him in the parking lot. Uh, where the Krispy Kreme is in the Chamonix, like, on street road. Like, fattest
1: thing ever to remember that, but I 100% remember that. <laughs> yeah, it was a crazy fight. He just – it was nuts, too, because I didn't see it coming. Like, out of nowhere, he just rushed him and then, clung, clung, and then Jan's body exploded. I was like, oh, what is happening? <laughs> he just took him out. But, yeah, all in all, it's 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 a refreshing fight, you know. It's for the vacant light heavyweight belt. That's the best part. Yeah, and it's the number one versus number two. I mean, it it doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't, and they're
0: like, this is the dawn of a new era. Like, I don't know if it was you that talked about last week. Like, I have a feeling that this is just gonna get like uh, hot potatoed around. Um, I kind of hope not. I hope Dom or Jan, you know, once they have that belt, like they they put the boots to everybody and kind of like go on that run. Like, I don't want to see. One defense champions or no defense champions. Like, I look back so vividly on this up here, and I'm pointing at the picture of Holly Holm versus Ronda Rousey. Like, remember how awesome that was? Yeah. Think to the next fight. Yep. Holly lost the belt. Like, and nobody really talks about that because it was so devastating the way she
1: finished Ronda, but she didn't even get to defend that title. Yeah, and then on top of that, she goes for the 145 belt and just like gets basically cheated out of a a title, you know, it's rough, but it happens. And, you know, we're also leaving out the fact that this possibly could go five rounds. Maybe both guys just are that good. And they just, you know, go five rounds and put on a great performance and somebody ekes out a decision. And then there's a rematch. Like, I also don't mind that, you know, it kind of gives an opportunity for more guys in the light heavyweight division to make their claim for the next shot. So, yeah, I mean it, it's good for the sport to see great, you know, competitive fights. But either way, I'm excited for this fight. I thought this was the perfect co main event. I don't think there could have been a better one than this. I cannot wait. This should be fun. Uh talk about fun.
0: The main event. We have the reigning, defending, undisputed, middleweight champion, Israel, the last style bender out of Versus Paulo Bojashiina Costa Andre, before we talk about the fight proper, uh, let's talk about the stuff leading up to the fight. so did it bother you to see the video of them like exchanging
1: pleasantries? No, um obviously, well, <laughs> okay, let me let me stop lying. Yeah, I kind of thought they was going to get into a brawl. But it didn't happen. It kind of sucked. I hate to say it that way, but I kind of thought they were going to, like, start shoving each other. Like, as soon as Izzy went like that, I thought Costa was going to be like, don't touch me, man. Don't, don't don't put your hands on me. Yeah. But, like, it didn't happen. I'm like, all right, cool. They're just trying not to, you know what I mean, screw up the fight. But it doesn't even matter what they did. At the end of the day, like, when that cage door sort of closes, it's gonna be crazy. Like, and you you know what got me? When they squared off, like, Costa was not that much smaller than him. Mm-mm. For them to say he's like six feet tall, six one, I don't know. He looked like he was like a solid six two, six three.
0: Paulo is also, you know, six feet wide. Like yeah, he's like a big he's, dude. Oh my god! Obviously, like I think. It's extremely accurate what Izzy said. Like he, you could already tell, like his weight cut. Like he's yeah, he's he's tired. sunken in already. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could hear it in his voice. Um, I'm not wishing that upon him because no. I really want to see this fight for the title. Yeah. But um, that, and then like. The trash talk between like his manager, like going on Ariel show yesterday, yeah. and like. Oh, Israel changes personality. Like, Israel Adesanya is a professional. Like, he's a champion. He carries himself like a champion. Like, yeah, he talks a lot of crap, but, like, that's how you, like, get big. Like, that's why Colby does it. Like, we get it, but some he might cross the line. We don't have to go back to that. But, like... <laughs> Listen, that personality is why he signed to Puma. That personality is why those engaged shorts that he wears always sell out. That personality is why he's maybe the second or third most popular fighter on the roster. Like, Israel Adesanya does those things with
1: purpose. Yeah, and on top of that, he's got the skills to back it up. I mean, and so does Costa, you know? Like, I love it where he, you know... Adasanya's bringing that, I'm going to, you know, technically just break him down over time. And then Costa's like, dude, I'm going to erase you. Like, it's crazy because you look at both of their records, you look at the body of work that they've left in the cage, you know that this is going to be nothing short of a legendary status type matchup. And whether it ends in 15 seconds or all five rounds, like, it's going to be great no matter what. And overall, with this fight being at the time that it's in, you know, no fans, kind of just the coaches, it's going to be crazy. You know, like there's there's really going to be no distractions and it's just going to be two of the best fighters in the world with two very drastically different styles really going at it for that strap. And it's it's monumental. I, I love it. I think these are the kind of title fights that we've been missing since like Poirier Khabib and like Holloway and Poirier, like fights like that. Like we haven't seen it in a while. And um, I'm just, I'm like so excited. Like I, I, I can't even put my words like in the right way to like describe it, but this is nuts. This is like a movie, honestly.
0: Yeah. So let's just talk about uh, keys to victory. So, you made me a fan of Israel Adesanya. So I'm going to let you break down Israel Adesanya's Keys to Victory. And me, begrudgingly, I will break down Paulo Costa's Keys to Victory. So, Andre, I'll let you go first.
1: Yeah, sure, sure. Um, So for the Keys to Victory for Izzy, now I, let me just leave a disclaimer out there. I'm not an expert. I don't know that much. No, but- that's we <laughs> do not need to be ex- experts. <laughs> but
0: we will portray them right
1: now. Andre. Yeah. <laughs> so for Israel Adesanya, obviously we know, you know, he has to play the long game and distance Distance management is going to be the key factor to a victory in this fight. Um, the three components to, you know, this fight for him is going to be the jab, um, leg kicks. And, you know, a lot of people may not agree, but I'm going to say, He's really going to have to use knee strikes. So, and that obviously ties into like footwork, and that's obvious. Like, we don't have to get into that because you know how good Izzy is with, you know, distance management. He's good with his footwork, he doesn't stay in the same place for too long, and he knows what he's doing in there. But I want to specifically break down the strikes that I'm talking about. So, with the huge reach advantage that Izzy has. He has to utilize it, but he has to be smart about it, right? Obviously, changing the rhythm of his jab constantly is going to be a huge key because he doesn't want Paulo to read the timing of his jab. And if he's throwing it in the same rhythm, you know, Costa will eventually pick up on it and he will try to counter with an overhand right, or he'll probably slip to the left and try to bang a left hook. He doesn't want that because if that happens, he's going to get knocked out most likely or hurt. Efficiently, And, you know, that's obviously not what he wants. Now, as far as the leg kicks go, I mean calf kicks. Calf kicks are huge in this fight. Costa is massive. And with the amount of muscle and explosion that he has, he's going to be able to, to not only cut off the cage, but he's going to be able to really explode towards, you know, Adesanya with speed and power And if Adesanya doesn't stop that by by chopping him down, eventually he's going to get caught with something that he might not be able to recover from. Now, I think the knee strikes are important in this case because, obviously, because Costa is actually a really good striker and is really good with applying pressure, there are going to be some instances where Costa will be able to cut off the cage. We saw it with Yoel and we also saw it with Gastelum, so... Adesanya has to be weary that when Costa does come in, he needs to time a nice knee to the solar plexus or a nice, you know, rear knee going to the liver in south position. I don't say that the switch knee would be great because he could get knocked out if he's not fast enough from switching it from one, you know, stance to the other. So I would say he's got to load that thing up and keep his guard high. And try to land that in the clinch. And if he can do that. He might be able to actually land some. You know a significant amount of damage on Costa. I mean overall. He can't go for the knockout strike. If he does. At any moment. It could be dangerous for him. You know Costa. Costa with the kind of guy that he is. He could take a good shot. And recover really quickly. And land a shot. While Izzy's coming in. So yeah, I feel like those are my keys to victory. Um, so let's hear yours for Costa,
0: Paulo Costa. Okay, this is hard for me because I am a huge Adesanya fan. But let's be honest, Paulo Costa is a very, very strong. <laughs> he th- he's powerful. He throws very heavy shots. So for him, his key to victory, for me. He's going to have to keep his guard up. And this is going to sound terrible. But you know what he did with Yoel Romero? And just like move forward, move forward, move forward. Like basically bull rush Yoel Romero. He's going to have to stay extremely close to Israel Adesanya. Obviously stay away from the clinch because Izzy's going to tear him up with Muay Thai. Um, And just really hope to just... Swing and pray. You know what I mean? Like, there is obviously grappling things that he can do. But let's be honest. Like, Izzy's takedown defense, Izzy's defense of submissions is very, 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 very underrated. So, for Paulo to, like, really go in there and just, like, hope to catch him on a counter or, you know, like, hope for Izzy to make a mistake, because honestly, the longer this fight goes, the less of a chance Paulo Costa has of winning, because I don't care what he says, oh, this is the greatest training camp, number one mistake, you've been training five months for this fight, that is entirely too long, chances are you peaked two months ago, number two, um, let's be honest, you don't have pace to go five rounds. We saw you at three rounds. Sucking win against Joel Romero, someone who also has a terrible gas tank. And number three, Paulo Israel is an extremely technical striker. So for you to like really get in there, you gotta pray for a mistake because all you like all his finishes, like they're just like I hate to say it, but like these are like you're just finishing guys because you're stronger than them. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing that I see from him that is so like he's not this. How do I say it? He's not very impressive to me. He just like he looks great. Like him with that belt, like he's huge. Like imagine Brazil. But like for me, there's so much more technique that Israel has against him that he really has to hope that he can land – a devastating shot on him. And Izzy has a chin as well that is very underrated. So if you're gonna put him down, you better have that ability to finish him.
1: Yeah. And I think to touch on that, you know, I I thought it was funny too, because people they were like basically completely downplaying his ground game. And like I was one of the people that kinda said like, oh well I mean if he does take it to the ground it would be interesting but like after seeing him at the press conference and like listening to him talk like yeah if he tries to take it to the ground and is not able to pass the guard or at least control izzy and land ground and pound like yeah um he's going to end up gassing out very fast and that would be really bad because like you touched on with izzy being such a technically sound striker guys like that destroy dudes who get tired. I mean, just imagine what he's going to do to his body. Like, that's going to be horrible to watch, landing body kicks and liver shots and knee strikes. Costa won't be able to take it. But, you know, one thing that we do have to really keep in consideration is the body strikes from Costa. If he can land a consistent amount of body strikes on Izzy, that could be a game-changer in the fight, you know? Like, not for nothing, it has nothing to do with Izzy being skinny. But we haven't actually seen anybody really rip Izzy to the body like that. So that could be a big, you know, proponent to this fight. But we'll see. I mean, the crazy thing is that there's no sure way that this fight can end other than a knockout or just a decision. But either way, this fight's going to be so insane. I will just say that the first round's going to be a serious feeling out process. Even though Paolo is going to be pressing forward, I don't think he's going to be stupid enough to try and, like, really throw crazy combinations at Izzy right off the bat. Like, that would be insane because Izzy's literally going to just start picking him off.
0: I don't know if I agree with that for the simple fact that uh, I have this feeling, like, in my gut that Paolo is going to fight extremely emotional. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know how real his animosity is towards you know izzy but the way he's coming off and especially how his manager portrayed him today which is you know you can't really you take that with a grain of salt you know you never take anything that these managers say very seriously but um like if he goes there and fights an emotional fight he's gonna go guns ablaze in that first round and he's gonna like empty out his gas tank like i'm telling you if you're training camp is five six months you peaked two months ago like 90 days that's all you need like if you need more than that you have like issues of your own that you need to address like you clearly don't trust yourself to go in there and perform and for him
1: to do a five-month training camp i think that's a terrible idea yeah not only that like I think that the five to six month training camp was probably just due to the fact that he's also never been five rounds and the weight cut is astronomical. Like the guy you know he walks around like two fifty. So dude, it's dude he it's was crazy.
0: He was two oh five on Tuesday.
1: Yeah. Think about that. Two hundred
0: and five pounds on Tuesday, that is twenty pounds you have to lose. Twenty. In three days?
1: Three days. And on top of that, like if he can't lose that weight like, it's in a title fight, you know. Like, yeah,
0: like um, obviously, you know, we know how Izzy is. He's gonna fight regardless. Yeah. But um, dude, come on. Like, I pray tomorrow I'm gonna be watching it so close. I hope he makes weight because like, this fight is so important to like the division, this podcast, like the MMA landscape. Like, people were pegging this as fight of the year. Good mm-hmm. luck. But like, this has potential. 100% to be fight of the year.
1: Yeah. And and the best part about fights like this is that it, if it is fight of the year, you know, it's only good luck to see better ones. Even though.
0: Exactly. It, like, you don't know. Like, remember the year peaked in February? Mm-hmm. Like, so far. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's been some bangers. Like, yeah. a lot of stuff we've enjoyed. But, like, Zhang Wei Li and Joanna Young-Jacek, like, that is going to be so tough to beat.
1: Because that fight was phenomenal. Yeah, man. It's it's one of those things where you can only just be, I guess, grateful that we have fighters that are willing to go in there and fight. And have superstars going in there and going at it with contenders. Because, let's face it, even though this isn't boxing, sorry for any boxing fans, but like you don't get a lot of champs that are trying to just pick, you know, get pick them fights, you know, cherry pick. Cause imagine if Izzy would have just, you know, Oh yeah, I want to fight Darren Till in Abu Dhabi. And then Dana goes, okay. And then Costa has to wait around or, or fight the killer gorilla. Like, you know, like we actually have Izzy who's a good champion and wants tough fights and he wants to be the best and considered the best. Like it's great, man. Um, yeah, I think the last thing to touch on is uh, no matter what happens in this fight, um, it's going to be a banger, and it's going to be great.
0: <laughs> yeah, so uh, that same night uh, of the fight of the year thus far, Zhang Li, I, I think you agree, like Zhang Weili versus Joanna has been the best fight this year. Um, that was the, the last night of fans. Uh, that was also the last time that Izzy stepped in the octagon obviously uh that snooze fest against Yoel Romero um so Izzy obviously off that performance has a lot to prove so I am immensely looking forward to this fight Andre my last thing you brought it up earlier Izzy is a weeb what'd you think of his shirt that he wore
1: Dude, the whole time I was, like, listening to the soundtrack in my head. It's like, oh, oh, oh. and I'm like, yes. <laughs> like, I hope he comes in with, a, like, an actual Akatsuki cloak, and maybe he'll do, like, uh, like one of the, the nice little headbands that has the uh, the line through it to say that they're, like, anti of that clan or they're rogue ninjas. I hope he does that because that would be so sick, man. Like, I love it, dude. It, it was such a cool cert I don't know where he got it from, but I want it. I need that shirt. I'm wearing that for Sunday for church. I'm <laughs> telling you, like, I'm wearing it. I don't even care.
0: It, uh, Yeah, it speaks to a lot of people, and that's why he's such a big star. And that's why I'm looking forward to UFC 253 this weekend, live on pay-per-view. Uh, follow us, and I'm sure that Andre will be live tweeting or sweating somewhere. That has been this week's... Your boy Elroy. I am Josh Preppigini. You can find me on all forms of social media, Elroy Prepson, one word. You can find the show on Instagram at ybemma Podcast as well as Teespring.com slash stores slash Podcast. Andre.
1: Everyone, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch on the name Flow State Dre. One word. And you can also find me on Facebook as my regular name, Andre Rodriguez. And thank you all for tuning in for another great episode.
0: Yes, if it's your birthday, happy birthday. Enjoy the fights this weekend, and we'll see you next week.